Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. You got Andrew Bracewell at Little Oak Weekly, and today is part two of my amazing living room conversation with Larry Siebert. Hopefully, you've had a chance to check out episode one. In this episode, we get into some equally as cool uh, topics. We get into perspective on bad markets and how different they are than the previous markets we bid in. Uh, Larry and Marlene's philosophy that everyone is a million dollar customer until they prove otherwise. Uh, We get into some philanthropic and humanitarian topics where Larry shares about their involvement with uh, delivering clean water and helping build schools in Africa. Uh, We talk about marketing and how their perspective has changed over the years on that. And then the importance of living below your means. And then uh, also a neat conversation around material material goals and how sometimes the material goals we have can be silly or stupid, but how they're also capable of driving us to um, to do some amazing things. So a uh, great conversation here in part two, sitting in Larry's living room. Hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did chatting with Larry. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna guess and say that if you sit in ten dining rooms nine of them were you were referred into and then of the nine that you referred into like it's a very small percentage that you don't end up working with but i want to know when you don't end up working with some people there's probably a pattern why why do you not work with someone is it because i like you know you have a very no one can say of Larry and Marlene, I don't want to exclude Marlene in the conversation. That Mar-Larry. You, Mar-Larry. Mar-Larry. Yeah, we're, Mar-Larry. We're Mar-Larry. Marlary. Marlary. No one can say of my Larry, Marlary, that you don't believe something. Like you believe something. You, you are steadfast in saying, this is what I believe. This is how I do business. Here's my philosophy. And I believe it so much that if you don't believe it, we don't have to work together. So then that means that there's a small percentage, at least, that encounter you and go, ah, uh, no thanks. That's not my... Yeah. So wh- what's that like? And, and does that become apparent extremely early on? And how do, you ha- how do you handle that? Like, give me a story of like a scenario where maybe you just, you didn't work together. And it's like, oh, this isn't the right fit. There's so many. So um, looking at a place, it was a little while back. And they had prepared it for me to come and look at it to do an evaluation. Yeah. Are we referred in or is it cold? Or is it referred? You probably get the, the rare cold call still right because someone's heard of you or whatever yeah but it's not often and you know what those ones always seem to be lies yeah we saw your picture in the yeah. paper <laughs> yeah, well that a- must have been 35 years ago because <laughs> we haven't advertised in the paper for so long but so, i didn't i don't go that way i go I, oh yeah okay so oh, that's good but you know how it goes yeah so you go into the place and they say they prepared it for you but you our home wouldn't have seen that after world war three the way their place looks mm-hmm. what a disaster what a gross pig pen. And they think it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And they think they want to get the Taj Mahal price for an outhouse looking home. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen. So uh, Joe had taught uh, us to take everybody at face value and pretend they are a million dollar customer. Go in it that way, coach them that way, and let them prove themselves not. Right. Because otherwise we just become jaded and everybody's Right. Not that. Yeah. So they're a million dollar customer. They're going to give you a lot of repeat business. They're going to refer all their friends. So we sit down and this is what they want to do. They want to sell it as is, but they want 
a remarkable price. Right. And so we can just say, you know, we're right now, uh, there's 18,000 realtors from here to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So that means there's 7,000, uh, 17,999 others to choose from because I don't think I am the right person for you at this time. Mm. Just something simple like that. Yeah. And then you can pack up. Sometimes it's choosing the wrong price. Yeah. And uh, some people want to be very aggressive on their price. And a lot of times I give a multiple of prices. Mm -hmm. But if they choose something to, into the wild, wild west zone, mm -hmm. and I'm going, yeah, I don't want this. Yeah. And I'll just say, well, you know, I want to thank you for considering us. Yeah. And um, right now, I, I just, I feel like I'm going to be a failure. Based on these, I say that. based on these expectations. Yeah, based on these yeah. expectations. Yeah. And, you know, it even went to this far as this once where I, I go, oh, I could use that listing. I think it's a good listing. Mm -hmm. But the price is retarded. Yeah. I got, in, I went through the whole thing. I got them to sign it up. I did all the paperwork, the PDS, the, all yeah. the crap. I'm sitting in their dining room table. We spent two hours and I'm, and I'm stewing in my brains. <laughs> and because it's. What other, kind of market was this in, too? It was a in normal a, an market, average market, right? Which is see, because even that conversation, yeah. like right now, yeah. people, anyone who hasn't been in a market unlike this, they go, what do you mean? Why would you not take a listing? You know, <laughs> but like, it's such a relevant conversation. Getting a listing that's overpriced can be like a weight ripping around your, your neck. Your ball and chain. Oh, it's brutal. And they want to call you up every day and wonder why what's is my house selling and all this it, stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I walked out the door. It was probably 10 o'clock at night now. Yeah. And you know, you're saying words in your head that you probably have to ask for forgiveness for. <laughs> and uh, I walked out the door. I made it down three steps. And I said, forget this. Walked back, rang the doorbell and said, guess what, guys? I think I'm not the right person for you at this number. After you had it all signed yes. up? That's Here's amazing. your listing back. I don't need it. That's good. So there's things like that. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, you'll know in your heart. You can feel it. Oh, you, yeah. Your gut. Here's one thing that Joe said. If you've been in the business 10 years, your gut is about 50% right. If you've been in the business 20 years, you're probably at 80% right. Mm -hmm. If you've been in it for 30 or 40 years, you're at 99% right. Mm -hmm. Now, I've made mistakes. I've, sometimes I'm discussing things with people and they're not getting how creating the auction effect works and why are we listing it so low and this and that. And they refuse to work with me. Mm -hmm. They just think I'm trying to take advantage of them. Yeah. Okay, well. And if I don't sit there long enough or if I've had it, I just say bye-bye and then yeah, I leave, yeah. right? So that would be the lesser of me saying maybe I didn't give, I should have given it more mm -hmm. time or, yeah. or whatever. But maybe I've been, I've been so busy and I'm just going, not another condo listing. Well, there's, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's hard. We've been in this environment now and it, we've been in a version of a hot market since the end of 2015. Middle of 2015. Yep. Market's been crazy, yep. except for a little blip in 19. And so we forget. So it's easy to lose, like, a picture of reality. Like, I remember walking out of homes in 2009, 10, 11, and 12, and you would literally, you would take a listing, and based on, you know, all the things we just discussed, your price and, you know, how realistic, realistic everything is, you could be thinking that it might take six to nine months to sell a home. It could. Easily. And... That oftentimes came down to your ability to properly communicate value and, you know, show people why they should trust you with your strategy. And a proper commission. And a proper commission, all those things. And, and of course, you know, in an environment where only 
5% or 7% of homes are selling on a monthly basis, which is what we were in for a long time in those oh, yeah. years. You could even do everything right and still not get it. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, it was a, it, it too, like, you know, it seems stupid now to think about, oh, you'd walk away from a listing, but like walking away from listings in those years was actually a, a valuable skill set because you're just burdened. It was a release of a ball and chain. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who wasn't realistic or wasn't willing to listen, it would just be something hanging around your neck. You know, here's something else we talked about, and that would be is on that picture of the puzzle box. What keeps you going? You said, what keeps you going? There's a thing in our lives about generosity that keeps us going. Hmm. The money we make is not all ours. And uh, I think I mentioned this to you, but so we've been involved with uh, GAIN. Uh, oh, yeah. I know GAIN. With uh, doing yeah. water wells. Yeah. Uh, probably 16 years right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some years GAIN was working with uh, the, the uh, Canadian government and getting matches. Yeah. For every one water well you did, they yeah. would get another one. Mm -hmm. uh, for every two, two water wells you did, you could get two more or four. Mm -hmm. And so we, it's been really fun. The last year or two, they haven't gotten that much uh, matching going on. Sure. But you know what? Right now, I think the last count, we had almost 60,000 people drinking from water wells that Marty and I have invested in to create in Africa. Those people are walking 10 to 15 miles every day to get clean water, and some wasn't even that clean. It was still from a ditch. Hmm. And so now there's fresh water there. So we visited some of those wells and some of the people. Uh, you know, we were in an area we were dr driven to that when we got out of the van, Jared, Marnie, and I went. Uh, Jared, I think, was in grade 12 at the time. The people and kids started to run away from us, saying some words. And I asked the guy, what's going on? Hmm. He says, white ghosts. I go, what's going on? They have never seen anybody like you. Well, and your, your lock of white hair. I mean, oh, yeah, that that's, too, right? You know, My... I referred to Gandalf earlier. I wasn't uh, joking. There he is. <laughs> and so the chief came out, met us. There was, it said, uh, compliments of Remax, Larry Sievert team or whatever. It was Remax, the local realty, depending. No way. Depending on, I, I had different companies going on. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so ended up. They had about 1,400 people come out greeting us. After, the, after he did his speech, they all lined up two by two and gave Marlene and I a hug. And the driver who was behind us interpreted every word they said. Amazing. So what, uh, like, that's got to be... Huh. Then you're in for life. People's lives have changed. They were starting a school because the, the, the kids didn't have to go work for pulling in water all day. The moms could actually just pump some water and, and they could start this and start that. It was just an amazing transformation of, of lives. And so when you think uh, you put such and such a percentage of your income towards mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. and then to other things, all the different things that we've been involved with. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is some really great goodness going on that can drive you from behind mm -hmm. to say, hey, yeah. And, uh, you know, so some years you can do six water wells or eight or five or yeah. two or whatever, you know, comes up. But when you see those lives changed, there is some some goodness. So we've been involved with, uh, you know, different, all different types of things. One of the things that may happen in your life and that's happened in our life a lot. And maybe in whoever's going to be listening to this is sometimes you get plagued by people asking you for money. 
And uh, sure. we sure have, and I know I've got clients that are that way. And so one of the things we did is we started something called a giving mutual fund. What does that mean? Well, in a mutual fund, if you're into investments, they'll take about six or eight different things and put them into a mutual group fund them and group it together and away it goes. Yeah. So we learned this from a, a book I read some years back. And so we take six or eight things that we're going to give to this year. And that's our giving this year. And we decide the percentages that each one gets. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, we analyze and say, hey, were we happy with each of those six or eight things? Was the return? Did we feel like we got a good return? on those giving areas. Mm -hmm. And if not, one comes out or two comes out and two new ones get put into place. Mm -hmm. So the cool part is this, that like, we used to feel like we got plagued with so many people asking throughout the years, sure. so many, so many. Yeah. And we would say, oh, well, thanks for asking. You're, you're looking for some money. Well, let me tell you how we work. Yeah. We have a giving mutual fund. Yeah. Uh, we have eight pieces to that puzzle right now that are in there. We have eight other areas that we're giving to. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to send us something in December, for that next would, year. For next year. Yeah. To give us an idea of what you're into and what it's about. Yeah. And if any of the eight aren't uh, doing what we feel they should be doing, we are going to replace that with something. Yours might be one of them. We'll review it at that time. Mm -hmm. So the people that just want instant gratification or just want your money, mm -hmm. they're not going to do that. And it's an easy filtration process because they'll understand that language. In fact, they'll be like, oh, wow, they have a giving fund. Okay, well, you know, whatever. So is that how you respond even to... Um, like I'll do like whatever the random, like you've just sold this client's house and their son's having a raffle in the baseball team or whatever, and they need 500 bucks. Like, are you responding that way to every single request? No, those are for the big things. So for instance, that what you just talked about, or we yeah. have, you know, uh, we attend local church here and yeah. many clients go to that church. Sure. Uh, many clients go to other churches and they're, they, do, they do missionary trips and their kids yeah, yeah. At, they, on school time yeah. are going to go, Larry, they're going to Mexico, Larry they're going to Guatemala, are the they're funding going here, they're going there, yeah. right? So yeah. we make a decision at the beginning of the year that, uh, okay, so Marty and I decide on how our previous year went. Every ask like that would maybe get 200 bucks or 250 bucks. You just have, so, it's just autopilot. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's 250. Yeah. This year it's going to be 250. So, it, oh yeah, sure. Bang. And the check's written for 250, 250. Guess what? We don't have to think about it then. Yeah. It's not, oh, there's another one. Oh good. There's another one. Yeah. There's a 250, a 250, a 250, a yeah. 250. Yeah. And, uh, and away it goes. So that makes life simple. It's for the big deal. The big things that you're involved. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Give me a $10,000 check or yeah. I want this or I want All that. that. Yeah. Marketing. You alluded to the fact you made that you shared that story where a client, you know, says, hey, I saw your face in the paper. And then you laughed and said, oh, really, I haven't been in the paper for 35 years. When did that how did that shift happen? Because like you're you know, you're creating content, which is what a lot of people are doing these days. You're clearly making a lot of content. But that content, unless they're in the, unless someone's in your database of people, nobody's seeing this content. I don't see your content on Facebook or Instagram or you know, wherever, but that hasn't always been like, I know yeah. in the earlier part of your year and, totally. I, and I, and I think it's obviously important for new people to market cause they don't have a rich garden of a database of hundreds of people. So just, you know, when did you shift? I, I, and you could speak about why you shifted too, but when did you actually really make that change where you only went internal marketing to your database? It started when we started with Joe at by referral only. And uh, so, but that was in the 90s, right? Oh, yeah, probably 90, 1990 ish. But didn't you, like, am I wrong in saying you still did some external marketing even into like the early 2000s or no? 
I don't think we did. You don't think you did? Okay. Uh, maybe we had a few guys working with us that they would have done some stuff to yeah, try to create maybe. something. And you, and you probably still did newspaper, right? Because newspaper... We didn't. You, did you cut newspaper off too? Yeah. Like even in the 90s, you cut it off. Yeah. Uh, that's probably mid-90s. That's yeah. incredible. Because, I mean, newspaper was like... Gold. Up until, I'm going to say 2005, six, like having a spread in the newspaper was... A big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I could go downstairs to my office and check, but I've got probably 30 years plus, maybe 30 years of newsletters uh, that we started sending out. And then we started sending out newsletters and postcards. Mm -hmm. Then we did newsletters, postcards, and client parties. Yeah. And then it, it, things evolved. Sure. But uh, so here's what happened is when Joe said, take a look at your business and figure out what's working. Okay, well, how do you do that? Calculate the money. Calculate the number of, totally. not the number of hits. Totally. Did you make money off this? I don't care how many hits you got. Yeah. Did you make money off it? Yeah. So when we had some full-time assistants, I used to put something on Facebook, or they used to put something on Facebook for me every day. And then, guess what? How much did we get from that? Nothing. Nada. Yeah. So what are we doing that for? What a waste of time. It's a waste yeah. even of my assistant's time at 20 bucks an hour or whatever, 25. I don't know what we were paying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, so at that point, let's stop that because that's not giving us a return of investment. For me sitting in an open house, was that giving me a return investment? I calculated that. It wasn't. For me working with certain types of people in the community, I found I was spending a lot of time doing showings or evaluations, and then they would always have a brother involved. Right. So I decided I'm stopping that all also. I will refer that out. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was looking at how many calls did I actually get off that half-page ad or quarter-page ad? Mm -hmm. Okay, calls. But how much did I... I don't really care about the calls that much, but I was asked to check out the calls and then check out how many listings or sales I got on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, once you did that hard homework, and that, it takes you a while to, to, to figure that out because you got to start now and calculate it for maybe four or five months. Yeah. And I found that it was all garbage. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. But continually posting a newsletter, mm -hmm. continually doing a postcard, having a regular some kind of client event, mm -hmm. keep you in the forefront of their mind, chit-chat with them once in a while, text them once in a while. Mm -hmm. Huh. Our referral rate for the last 25 years-ish is somewhere between 91 and 96% of our business is either repeat or referral. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's the fun business. The yeah. other 4%? Yeah. You do it because it's there it's or whatever. There, but whatever. But you normally will end up, any complication you're going to have, you're going to have in one of those transactions. Oh, yeah, not the referral business. Yeah. It's they trust you, love you already. Yeah. And less proof of, of who you are and what you're going to do for them is needed. Mm -hmm. They just, there's, there's, there's trust. So what you end up having is we just gauged, we started to gauge every piece that went out. And you know what? Okay, maybe I lied to you a little bit. I remember when Ray brought in somebody and they said, oh, you should try this marketing. And they were going to do some <laughs> Facebook something. Not and, Ray. Ray wouldn't yeah, do that. <laughs> and, and do this, this, this. Spend X amount of money. And then anybody within that geographical area is going to get a copy of your listing. And you're going to be, and this and that. I remember that program. Yeah. I, I do remember that. And so... 
Yeah. I said, you know what? I've not been on that team for so long. Yeah. Let's just see if my theory still works. Yeah. And we threw some money at it. Mm -hmm. We did it only once. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a hot property. Yeah. And we got zero return. And I'm t for return means, did I make a sale? Yeah. A listing or a sale? Zero. Okay. Yeah. Stopping that. Yeah. So, uh, and this is not what I'm talking about right now is not for everybody. Some people are really good at open houses. Yeah. Some people are really good with their ads and they can haul in a lot of business. Bless mm -hmm. you. Don't change. Mm -hmm. Just for me, I love the way that my business runs and I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm taking all that money that you would invest into the outside noise and I'm investing that into my clients instead. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think where, where people get caught is that they end up doing things or doing something that's actually not them. That's, that's the problem. And so, you know, you, you love the database thing and you've, you've bought into it like hook, line and sinker. You believe in it. Like it's your philosophy. And so everything you do permeates that belief system and there's no inconsistencies in the way you operate. Uh, there are people that are unbelievable at cold calling or unbelievable at getting, you know, you can take that philosophy you have and take it into other streams of revenue. For sure. I mean, I've done that. I've, I've farmed a neighborhood for years and that neighborhood is like a second mini database for me. Nice. There's other people that, you know, whatever, their kids are, you know, involved in some kind of sports teams and they, they you know, they, they take that approach into the, into the sports organization mm -hmm. or whatever. But those that get themselves in trouble, I think, are those that, you know, to your earlier point, don't have that picture. They don't have that vision of what they want to be. And then they end up, you know, kind of like, not to use the overused picture, but like, you know, the boat without a rudder, you just, you're kind of bouncing all over the place doing everything. And so if some great idea, like that idea the you talked about, shiny, the right? next shiny thing comes along and it's like, I'm doing this, now I'm doing this. And then when you stand back and look at it, you go, well, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm doing everything. And, the and I'm doing nothing at the same time. The messaging's inconsistent. It's not, you know, unison. It's I'm all over the place. And, and half the time, I'm not even doing what I love. That's the problem. Because, yeah, there's people, I mean, I know people that they love. Well, one guy in our, in our brokerage, actually, Mark Sager, you probably never, maybe you've never met him. He's in our Surrey location. Like, he genuinely loves cold calling. Loves it. Oh, huh. good for him. And he carves a business out doing this. Now, is it 90% of his business? No. But is it 50% of his business? Yeah, it wow. is. And the guy is good at it. He comes from, his background was hotel industry. So he's comfortable with people. He's good on the phone, you know. And I mean, I think, I look at that and I go, well, the reason he can succeed at it is because he loves it. And that's actually his vein. That's exactly it. You know what? That puzzle picture yeah that you have that yeah. i have yeah everything on it is stuff that marty and i enjoy totally it's not stuff that we don't enjoy yeah everything on it so can you convert your business just to do the stuff that you enjoy right to work with the people that you enjoy working with i know that's a, a far-fetched step for some but as you go through the years you can you can and then i wake up in the morning Wondering, oh, I wonder who's going to call today. <laughs> and, or who am I going to call today? Yeah. Of my clients. Yeah. And so, but there is a funness yeah. to business. It's not a ball and chain. Yeah. That's what keeps the sparkle in our eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and so the more fun you can have and that the more enjoyable parts to the business that you can do mm -hmm. the best that, that you'll have the best life mm -hmm. so marnie loves the financial part looking after the paying this and that and she loves working with buyers mm -hmm. good because i don't like any of those things mm -hmm. so she found her niche i've got mine and you know so the, it 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 rolls towards just a fun business. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah, we get tired. When you get tired, go on holidays. Take off for a week, take off for two weeks, take off for three weeks. We've been doing it sometimes now. We've been saying, we've bought one-way tickets. And you've, you've actually done that, right? Yeah. Like you've bought open-ended tickets when we, you go away. We have been yeah. for a number of years now. Yeah. yeah. We buy tickets, we, we leave. Well, how do we decide when we're coming to come back? When we're tired of being elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks? Yeah. Five weeks? 10 weeks, okay, we're done. We're coming home. That's a fun feeling. Because now you don't even want to be on a holiday anymore. Now you want to get back to work and, yeah. and work hard. You're excited so to what, come back. Yeah. What I like is, and I talked to you about this the other day, and that is, you know, the market changes. Yes, this is good. So what happens yeah. is, is when the market's hot and there's buyers and sellers and deals to be done, and there's that old saying that I laugh about with some of my friends, and that's make hay while the sun shines. And I'm not talking about these little square rectangular bales. I'm talking about round bales. Those yeah. great big ones that they have to pick up with a yeah. tractor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. Make it and then sock that money away. Not spend it, sock it away. Yeah. Then, because there's this other part to the market that says this, when the going gets tough, Okay, guess what happens? There's so many people. The going gets tough and they're slugging it out, trying to keep up, trying, because they got so much debt. They have to keep pushing the deals through. No. If you've done it right in your years, when the going gets tough, the tough go on holidays. <laughs> I like that. That's what we do. And it makes it so simple. So you know what? Here was Marninen's I relationship with money. The more you have, the more options you have. That's a great thought. You have so many more options when you have more money to deal with. You can take off for longer. You can go do this. You can go do that. You can get this. You can give away more. Mm -hmm. You have so many more options. But when you are tight on money, mm -hmm. you are enslaved. Yeah. You've got your mortgage. You've got your car payment. You've got your kids stuff. You've got this and that. So the faster you, be, for, for me anyways, I will preach this. The faster you become unenslaved, the better you will like this job. I own, don't, like uh, I mentioned to you, I think it was after year two mm -hmm. in real estate, even though we weren't making a ton of money. Yeah. But uh, I bought my first house when I was 19. Yeah. And uh, so by year, well, year two into the business, we had a clear title home. That's amazing. So every In an environment where interest rates were 17 or 18%. Cuckoo. So what ended up happening was now I could work with any buyer or seller. They weren't a car payment. They weren't a mortgage payment. And they weren't even the food on my table because Martin was working at Canada Trust. So what she made could make food on the table. Mm -hmm. And so what I, so that's why I burnt out the first two years because I wanted, I hated that. And I wanted just to get rid of that because every time I saw you as a buyer or a seller, mm -hmm. good, that's my, that's next month's mortgage payment. Yeah. And you know what? They could probably taste it. Yeah. In just the way that you were talking. And after that, things became a whole lot freer, less stressful. There's, there's, no, um, there's no gun to your head that you feel from the back part because you know where your finances are at. Mm -hmm. So like you said, there are a lot of people when the pandemic hit, 
that they only have two or three months saved up. Mm -hmm. Well, crap. Yeah. I would be dying in my boots too. Yeah. So when the market's great, don't spend it all. Put 50% away or more mm -hmm. because a rainy day will come. That's so hard for people. But they want instant gratification. Yeah. And I mean, I want the 90-inch TV, not the little 75-inch. And I know the, the, nays, the, the naysayers, like, when you have this conversation, and yep. I, I see both ends of the... I, I get both ends, spectrums, but the naysayers can go, well, Larry, you bought your first home for 70 grand or whatever it was, let's 100. say. 100. And that's bullshit because now for me to buy the same home, it's 1.3 million and I can never be. And so, yes... You can't say it's directly apples to apples, but. But, but 100,000 at 18% yes. and 1 million at 2% is like the same. And contemplate, <laughs> yeah. uh, I made, what, 18,000 in my first year? Yeah. And who's making 18,000 now? Somebody on welfare is making more than that. Yeah. Well, and what I think, you know, even if, even if you just say, okay, fine, it's not totally comparable. No. Nope. Okay. It Let's isn't. say it's not totally comparable, but, but. In both circumstances, it takes a commitment to live below one's means, period. If you're not willing to live below your means, then you're never going to even remotely, uh, you know, be able to get ahead. And I think that, you know, there's just a lack of willingness or desire or philosophical view in the world to live below one's means and spend less than you make, whether that's 50 cents of a dollar or 70 cents of a dollar. Yep. And, and that's what people have to embrace. You've got to, so if you make, you know, 150 grand, you know, you got to, it's, it's that commitment to, to doing less. And if, you know, it can sound easier if you're making 800 grand, but you've got to be willing to do that. And there's some people I meet that they say, and it could be true for them. It's certainly not true for, for my brains. I feel stress when I feel like I owe a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. I feel no stress like that anyways from that when I owe no man nothing. Mm -hmm. So I've met people though that they say, no, you know what? I owe 900,000 on a million dollar property. But that kind of stress makes me get out there and pound dirt. Yeah. And I'm, I'm out there knocking doors, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Yeah. Well, good for you, but I'm yeah. not, I, I don't want, for me, I would be dead. I would be dying. Yeah. But for that person, they enjoy that kind of stress. Mm -hmm. Then go ahead and do it. But don't spend all the money, then put it in an RSP or put it in some mutual funds, or go buy an investment property, or yeah. go do something, and then keep the $900,000 mortgage to keep that stress going if that's what you think that you want to live with. Yeah. Because rainy days come. How many, you've lived here for as long as I know. How long have you lived in this one home? Almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. How many times were you tempted to go buy a fancier property? We bought this when Jared was three. And we said we wanted it close to MEI so he could walk to MEI and we didn't yeah. have to be at home. Yeah. Because MEI is a block down the road. Yeah. And so, like for Marnie and I, for both, we could take off any time yeah. because he could come home and yeah. deal with it. Yeah. And so that was great. When we made the commitment that we wouldn't sell it till he finished grade 12. Mm -hmm. Which is quite some time ago. How old is Jared now? Yeah, he's 32 or 3. Yeah. So has there ever been like... I guess I'm wondering, did you ever fight the temptation to buy, like, you know, to... Upgrade. To, yeah, upgrade. Yeah, like, we, like at, well, at, when he was in grade 12, when he finished, we said, okay, we said we'd keep it till then, so what are we going to do? Yeah. And so we got really spoiled to living on five acres. 
Mm-hmm. We don't know the people that to that side. We're on waving terms to the people on this mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. I haven't met the people behind us yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you deal with people every day of your life, it's nice to, this is just yeah. a little secluded location for us. Yeah. And, uh, but so at, when he was in grade 12, we said, okay, is it going to be time to sell? And Marley looked at each other and said, well, first off, you know, then we have to upgrade the home, but it has to be only seven minutes to the office. <laughs> and we want it, we would want this and this and this in our next home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess it has to be another acreage. Yeah. And then we started to look at that and we said, oh, good, forget that. Good luck. And so we've renovated it four times. We just finished an, another renovation year four years ago. Mm-hmm. Outdoors, indoors, uh, because we love the location. And yeah, and it's not that we couldn't afford a better home. We're just comfortable. Yeah. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes being grateful means that we can stop spending on ourselves a bit. I mean, I like spending on ourselves. It's not that we don't do that. Sure. Yeah. But we're, we're just comfortable. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful and comfortable and, and we can do some other things with money that we don't have to. Here's a fun one. Keep up with the Joneses. So people talk about the grass <laughs> being greener on the yep. other side of the fence. Yep. We all have that. Totally. Look at that car. Look at that boat. Totally. Look at that guitar. Look yeah. at that drag boat. Look at that race car. Mm-hmm. Look at that muscle car. Look at the hot rod. Look at the motorcycles. Look at this could do. Look at that fancy place. Look at, the, okay, guess what? We can all do that. And sometimes we think everybody has it better. Everybody. Because you're looking at the people who might have more. Everybody has it better than me. But the fun part is this, is you heard about like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's because if you're peering over the fence at about the six foot mark, because the average fence is six feet and you're looking at the grass, it looks really green. It's a perfect when angle. The, yeah. <laughs> the neighbor invites you down there. Yeah. Oh, there's some dead areas. There's some mole holes. Yeah. There's some weed. Oh, this area didn't take too well. Mm-hmm. When you enter people's lives, mm-hmm. you see you all, realize, all the spots. Crap. Yeah. I'll take my bag of garbage because that, their bag of garbage is 10 times worse than what I've got. I'm just going to keep what mm-hmm. I have. Thank you, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. True, isn't it? Yeah, I, totally. I, I think, and, and even if, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way too, even if my bag of garbage is not smaller than someone else's bag of garbage, it's still my bag of garbage and I'm used to dealing with it and I know what it is yeah. and I don't know what the hell's <laughs> in that, in bag, that bag. <laughs> bag of garbage. So oh, yeah. it's, yeah, totally. The, the, um, you know, I used to, so there is something to be said for like material aspirations can be, can, can be positive drivers. And so oh, there's an example of my, myself when I was 2000, you know, three, when I got licensed and um, you know, the guy, the likes of you and Stan and Gary were my, you know, I'd look at you guys and want to be Jim Reimer. All the, and, old, all the old farts. All the old farts. But one thing I did, I, I've kept this. I have a journal that I, that I kept and it was my, it was my list. It was my puzzle, right? My, my picture. And I wrote down that I wanted to have one of those, like the military Hummers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the actual, H1. not exactly. Yeah. And I mean, did I ever get it? No, I didn't get it because, but that, but for about four years, that was a driving force 
in a lot of what I did. Because at the time, you go back to 2003, like that's a $100,000 car. $100,000 totally. is 2003. That's that's like brand new gorgeous trucks were 40 grand, 50 grand in 2003. Yeah, and you, you would know because your dad was selling trucks. My dad was selling, yeah, that's right. So, but you know, here's an interesting thing. So uh, that's a driving force in my life for let's say three or four years. And I work and I work and I work and I work and I get to a point where I could afford that vehicle. I could have, I get to vote, you know, let's say 2007 or whatever, I could write a check for that vehicle. Yep. By the time I got to a place where I could write a check for the vehicle, it wasn't important to me anymore. And I actually looked at it and I said like, why the hell would I ever write a check for something? Like that's a way, I've never seen a, like, you know, it's, it's just my mind had shifted in the process of becoming and earning what I needed to do to get to that place. Thank God, you know, I didn't then kind of check for that vehicle. But it's because, you know, you go like, well, that would have been stupid. Well, maybe it would have been stupid, maybe not. I think, I think there's a time and a place to reward yourself for things. But that drove me to so much positivity. Totally. Like, it, it pushed me. And I would never say that was dumb. That was amazing that it pushed me. I used life goals consistently for 30 years, my first 30 years. Yeah. Like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it was usually certain things, whether it was a trip. Uh, I had a 38 Chef Coupe street rod. Mm -hmm. I love that. I race that thing yeah. and blow it up and fix it. Yeah. I wanted to have a boat. Yeah. My first boat, 18 foot Cougar flat bottom, 800 horsepower drag boat. Like that's one of those ones that rips down the lake going a million yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. 100, 130-ish in the quarter mile, 10 seconds. Wow. We hit, I think, high nines once in the quarter mile. Okay, so then I wanted to put a blower engine in. These were aspirations, yeah. true aspirations. Yeah. I would work hard. If I got to this level, yeah. I could do this. Yeah. But our whole life was already divvied up. So and so much for giving, so and so much for putting away, mm -hmm. so and so much for living on, and so and so much for stupidity. Yeah. And every year, I... And at December, I had probably 12 pages of goals for life, for my spiritual part, yeah. for my physical part, yeah. for my business, for Jared, for Marlene, yeah. for friendships, for you name it, for playing guitar, for all. I had it all listed out. Here's what I want from me. Hmm. So, but I was my own slave driver too. So there's a negative part of that. Yeah. But I did have big carrots at the end. That of each of the lists. Saying, like, if, if I do I, this, yes, this then happens. I get that. Yeah. yeah. And Martin would have the same. And if yeah. that, that we, if this happens, then this happens. Yeah. So we had always things to work towards. Mm -hmm. uh, but there became a point where maybe it, it kind of like over, overtook me a little bit mm. because my ideas could get pretty big. Yeah. And then <laughs> I would just really want to work harder. Yeah. And then part of the essentials was percentage of such and such a time with Jared or such and such a time with Marlene, mm -hmm. such and such a time for self or for, mm -hmm. you know, the spiritual side of life or physical, something was going to go off. Sure. You can't maintain balance if you keep adding. No. Yeah. So that's where just things shifted a touch, but we had a ton of those different ideas and we still to this day mm -hmm. have some big things mm -hmm. that we are working towards, uh, but they aren't, they don't consume us. Mm. You know, here's a fun one. I don't know if you remember when Vern Heidebrecht used to be the oh, yeah. pastor at Northview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Vern and I, we got along. We just got along. Mm -hmm. You know, help some people. Like yeah. you and I get along. Yeah. This yeah. is not hard for us to talk like no, this. No, no. 
And so Vern and I got along and chit-chatted. And one day he showed up at the church, at from, from church to our office. Mm -hmm. And he says, Larry, yeah, well, you know, you're selling a lot of real estate here and, and, and we're doing this uh, church extension. Mm -hmm. And he said, so I know that, you know, you're a giving type of person and blah, blah, blah. And he threw down a number. Here's what I'd like to see from you if you could do that for our church. That's, pretty, at, that's pretty bold. I looked at the number. I showed Martin the number. <laughs> that's amazing. And I said, Vern, Vern, we sell lots of real estate, but we don't sell that much real estate. That's amazing. And, uh, I said, but you know what? We love what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. I was playing guitar at Northview for 12 years in the worship team. Mm -hmm. Martin was doing this and that and teaching and singing and choir and blah, blah, blah. We are totally in and we will help you with that. But it might take three years. Yeah. And guess what? You did it. it we did it within three years. Hmm. So there are some big things that you could as, as, aspire towards. Sure. But maybe it's not going to be one year. Yeah. Maybe, you know, here's what Joe said once that was so affirming to people like for you and me. I really, really want that. Whatever it is. He likes Porsches. <laughs> okay, good for him. I really want that. But the best part is this. I could buy that today cash. But because I could buy that to take cash, to take cash, just knowing that I could write that check and buy that, mm -hmm. that gives me enough life juice. I don't need it. Interesting. Next. Yeah. And I thought about that. Mm -hmm. And ever since I heard him say that, there's a lot of things that I could have wanted, knowing that I could do that. Mm -hmm. But knowing that's enough, I could have done that. But I'm going to go and yeah. maybe do something else. Yeah, there's something there that goes on in the ego. Yeah, knowing you could do it is enough, not needing to have it. I can identify with that. That makes sense. Here's something. What do you do for life stresses? Okay, so we're in a stressful, I believe, a stressful business sometimes, depending on which clients we choose to work with. Totally. Okay, so certain people, they go to the bottle or the bar. Yeah. Certain people have extramarital affairs. Yeah. Those are all addictions. Mm -hmm. What? I, I'm not putting on a spot, I hope. No, just, I just saying. No. What did I do? have a chit chat about I, that. I, Life stresses. I, what do you do? I, so I will have it. So I've drank excessively before in my life. I gained a lot of weight. 2000. So when I got in early, newly married, you know, whatever, experiencing the rigors of the industry and, and, and experiencing success and working my ass off and working long hours. Yeah. I drank, I'm fortunate that my body's, that I've never, like, I know some people are like, um, you know, predisposed to alcoholism. Right. You know, I, I'm lucky. I'm not like I could drink a lot and it never became, you know, a physical addiction for me. It was certainly a psychological addiction or an emotional addiction because I got used to, you know, quote unquote, taking the edge off. But I mean, I drank so much between say 2004, so after the first year of my career, and then all the way till about 2000, uh, maybe like nine, 10, somewhere in there. What shifted? Oh, a couple things. So like I, I physically gained, like when I started this industry, I was about 180 pounds. I was a young, you know, fairly athletic, skinny kid. And then by the time I got to 2000, it was actually longer. It was 2012 that I made a change. I was about 235 pounds. Oh, I remember that time you were hideous. Oh, I was, I was so, I, I was, <laughs> Just I was, I got like legitimate, like pudding bowl fat. 
like like just like a soft bowl of jelly and you know and you went on a workout thing i remember i did like and i was you know it was great like you know I'd, I'd made all this money and i'd become just disgusting physically i was still i'm still a young man i was 30 years old and i couldn't go for a run without heaving but here's what happened i went to go see a doctor about something and i don't even remember what it was it was not a big issue but I, but I had no, okay. I didn't get snipped at, oh, you know what? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. I am neutered. I'm fully neutered. But I went to go see a doctor and this doctor, thank God, looked at me and gave it to me straight. And he looked me in the eye and he said, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, and I was totally caught off, right? And he goes like, you're, what are you, 29, 30? And he knew a little bit about me, you know, like he used to be a basketball player. Like oh, I played yeah. college sports, whatever. He's like, you're a fat pig. Like he, he came in, he goes like, you're, what are you doing? You should not look like this. You should not be like this. And you know, he did it as gently as he could, but he was very direct. And then he looked at me and he said, here's the deal. Your mom has diabetes. Hmm. Your uncles and aunts have diabetes. Your grandpa died of a heart attack. You're whatever. He goes, I just want to know how long you want to live. Wow. Do you want to live till you're like 55 or do you want to live till you're 90? And I walked out of that Me, I was raw. He rocked me in that in that, like, it wasn't, he wasn't gentle. He didn't put the gentle gloves on. I didn't make a change right away. That was the one thing. Then later that year, we sometime around that time, we fly back out to Manitoba, see my wife's family. And my brother-in-law sees me, hasn't seen me in a long time. Gotta love family, right? Looks at me square in the eye, walking, he goes, holy shit, you got fat. <laughs> Like just like punches me right in the freaking head, right? Like just no, you know, whatever. So that's number two, right? So now I got, and, and I mean, and I feel like crap, right? Like I'm drinking probably an average of a bottle of wine a day, maybe more. I'm not exercising. I'm eating like crap, whatever. So there was a, there was a few of these things. And then finally it was that I, I'll never forget. It was, we were away for Thanksgiving. So all of this happened in about a one year period. It's like October of this year, and I think it was late 2012. And we're away with some friends. We're up in Summerland, and my friend goes, hey, do you want to go for a run? Yeah, let's go for a run. So I go for a run with a guy. I mean, we ran 10K. Keep in mind, this is, I haven't been running, oh right? Oh, my. But I'm, you but started I, off at 10K? Well, here's the thing. Like, so I'm still in my brain. I'm still an athlete. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't, you look one way, but in your head, you're something else because I did all this stuff my whole life, right? So we go, for, and, and like, I'm going for a run and I'm telling myself going into the run because I'm stubborn. I'm like, I'm doing this run. Like, there's no way I'm not doing this run. And this wasn't a flat 10K. We went up the mountain in Summerland and back down the mountain in Summerland. So by the end of that run, I, I actually couldn't walk the next day. I remember we're packing up to leave the next day. My ankle was a mess because my ankle had moved in forever and I'm putting 235 pounds of soft pudding bowl onto it rather than 180 pounds of lean, right? That was it. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And wow. that, was, that was the day. I literally got back from that Thanksgiving and I phoned up a good friend of mine who I've known ever since. And I said, I gotta make a change. And um, so I- So it was a decision at that point. It was a decision. Yeah, that was a really long explanation, but you asked me, what did you ask me? You asked me, Stress. what have I coped with? So Stress. alcohol and food early on. Today, how do I cope? Alcohol in a limited fashion. Uh, I still use alcohol, hundred percent, and to, like I would never say that I that I don't. I absolutely will use alcohol to take, take the edge off. I totally enjoy it. I 
have been known to consume the odd nicotine product or, <laughs> or you know, something yeah. like something like that. But I just well, well good ways. Well, like, so I was I was thinking to myself a while back, somebody had asked me, like, how do you deal with that stress? Yeah. And so I got a bent on cars. Oh, okay. And uh, so years ago, uh, I had I had looked for a 69 Camaro RSSS for a long time. Hmm. And then I wanted to turn that into a pro touring car. Hmm. And I bought an LS3 engine and a transmission, six-speed yeah. transmission. And for one entire winter, hmm. I bought all the gear. That whole engine and transmission are made out of aluminum. Yeah. And so after a day of work, I would go into the shop. And that's how you would decompress. And I would start polishing the heads, mm. making them gleam like mirror. Hmm. Then the water pump, then the oil pan, then the transmission, and then deburring the entire block. Hmm. A buddy of mine said, why would you do that? Because I can, hmm. and I enjoy it. I'd have the music blasting, and I would play. There, there is one and way. That's, and that's better than putting down a bottle of Cabernet. <laughs> well, I don't mind that either. Yeah. That, that'd be one, one way. And yeah. then, uh, like, I think, like, some really positive uh, hobbies. Like, uh, I have arthritic knees, but when I was really still at it, yeah. uh, we used to go out starting in March. Uh, to cultus and we would go skiing every more like one one uh, one week every or one day every every week hmm. uh, dry suits and water skiing and barefooting and you name huh. it and we okay. would just go like crazy and in order to do that higher caliber of movement oh, and yeah. stuff I had to be downstairs in the gym to make sure that you're in shape to do that it. I can do it yeah and so there was a driving force behind that yeah yeah that I my ten out of ten love at that moment was water skiing and barefooting yeah and wakeboarding. Yeah. Uh, so guess what? I'm down there making it happen. And as a cause, that would also help de-stress. Mm. One of the other things that was into is, um, you know, I think having, we touched on it before, but so the mind can say, I don't have to work seven days a week. Mm -hmm. uh, mind over matter, or whatever you want to call it, is to say, okay, I mean, everybody has their values get the big puzzle picture box again sure but if my value was to work four days a week yeah in the business work on the business one day a week maybe one day a week clean up my five acres and one day a week time for family and faith like all the day off no calls no nothing mm -hmm. then i could look forward to oh today is cleanup day or today is work on the business day i don't and when i uh, like on the business or in the business. So in the business is you're with clients, you're making calls, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're putting together deals and all that kind of on the business is how am I going to in it better my system? Hmm. How am I going to make that even better than what it is? How am I going to fine tune this? What video can I make today that is going to blah, blah, blah? Or, and so all that, you, you know, you'd have a checklist of things to do that day and see how many things you can nail. But that's a different kind of a day. Mm -hmm. So there's less stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a full day off, really, yeah, mm -hmm. a full day off. Like, what happens if you get an offer? You don't deal with it. It can be done tomorrow, can it? Yeah. And how I present that to my clients is, you know what? So sometimes we take Saturday off. Saturday is our family and faith day. North, you had a seven, has church on Saturday or Sunday, sure, so whatever. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. And, but anyways, well, you know what? 
I work really hard all week long. Saturday is my family and faith day. Do you mind if I just take that off and I'm going to be really attentive for you the next six days? Yeah. Nobody said, you're not going to be my realtor if that's what, what mm -hmm. you're going to do. That works because, and I mean, I, I, you and I aren't identical, but we have similarities. And I've, I adopted a similar thing years ago as well. And it works because you're working with like-minded people. Your clients are like-minded. That is a foreign thing. A lot of people hear that and they go, and I can identify because I used to work another way many, many years ago. And that's an impossible conversation when you have transactional relationships and people are there to be used on either side, trying to have that conversation. There would be a lot of people that would say, piss, piss off. If I call, you pick up or you're not my agent. Like legitimately, that's what a lot of people do. So it's, it's one of those things where you've got, yeah, it only works in that environment. And then the other thing. Okay, but you know what? When I have worked with those few people, you remember we talked about people yeah, yeah, that are yeah. outside that environment yeah. of, of referral or yeah, totally. repeat, then it goes this way. Oh, yeah, I've got an appointment right now. Yeah. Uh, let me check with you tomorrow. Totally. The and language, the language is different. taught me one yeah. thing, and that is this. Everything we do in our life is an appointment. Totally. I have an appointment with my bed. I have an appointment yeah. with Marlene. We're going on yeah. a, a date night. Yeah. I have an appointment with my kid. I have an appointment with my supper. With your couch. I have an appointment with my couch. I have totally. an appointment with my TV. I have an appointment with my workout. Yeah. I have appointments. I, oh, I have an appointment from three to three. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm booked. I'm fully booked. Good. I'm, yeah. I've got op an open time totally. at this time. So it all became appointments. And guess what? It's none of anybody else's business what your appointment's about. Totally. It's an appointment. And they yeah. can accept that. And they will. Yeah. Very well said. Language, if you can't learn the skills of language, then you're going to have a hard time navigating stuff like this and protecting your personal time. If you can figure out the language piece, then you're right. It's, it's like finding a way to put, you know, just figure out the cookie the client can eat and get that cookie in their mouth. And there's different cookies for different, for different situations. But all that being said, I still do like having done real estate very differently in my early years when you work transactionally and not, you know, in the way that, that you work or the way that I work now, the, the reality is, is that your relationships are far more transactional. People care less about the need for you to have a day off or the need for you to have a break. And so they're just more likely to be more self-interested in their responses to things because why wouldn't they be? They're there for themselves. They're not, they're not there based on relationships. They need a team. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else. Yeah, then you can, sure, Then you get totally. a team. Yeah, Look. yeah. So-and-so is covering that day. How did Marlene, like, so, so you very early on, you know, you guys cut up your work in a very, you know, clean way. I mean, I've done as many, if not more deals with Marlene than I've done with you over the years. Um, Marlene's done a ton of transactions and she worked exclusively with buyers. So, you know, it is far easier to control schedule when you're running listings than with buyers. How did she adopt these things with buyers because again if you're running around with a handful of buyers and i know she did many years oh, yeah. how did she do like what did she do because you know this whole this concept i know you know listening to it for some people will be like well that makes sense for a listing but good luck with a buyer in this environment how did she manage the schedules of buyers and, and keep her life together yeah. you know one of the things with buyers is it starts right at the beginning again yeah right at the beginning when you meet them are they coachable yeah. Are you, then let's go through, oh, you want to look at a property? 
Well, that's step three out of a five-step process to purchase a property. Mm -hmm. Step one, let's get into the financial picture. Yeah. Can you write a cash offer? Yeah. Let's figure out how to do that. Like, now we're talking in today's world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And can you do that? Okay. And now let's go into what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. What are the three must-haves? Okay. What are the sure. negotiables? Yeah. Or the two yeah. must-haves? Yeah. Great. So... So let's let's stop there for a second. Let, let's role play this for a second. Yeah. Must-haves are got to have a flat backyard. Right. Got to have a basement suite. Yeah. And it's got to be in one of these two school catchments. Perfect. So that's a reality. Mm -hmm. So then, then you go what? Good. Great. So we're going to program our systems. You're going to get emails from us consistently, as, constantly as we get new listings in that neighbor, in those two neighborhoods. Yeah. And if we aren't sending you it, anything like that, that means it's not listed. Because yeah. we have everything yeah. on the tips of MLS. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Now, if they're giving us, like sometimes Marlene is giving them pressure. Look, there's nothing coming for sale like that. Should we open up the parameters? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if, if we're trying to control our time together, then they say, hey, can, we show, can we look at that one? Or can we look at that one? Well, let me get back to you. Your three must-haves were this, this, this. That only has two. Well, we'd like to look at it anyways. Okay, this is a fun one. Now. This is this is important. Now that now yeah. here we go. Yeah. So great. Are we saying then those must-haves now are just maybes that you don't care about these things? Mm -hmm. No, we just want to look at it. Yeah. You, you've got this before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And sometimes there's a, there's a I know what you're going to get into here. Like sometimes you're going to have to be you're going to be firm here, mm -hmm. and then other times people's list can change. Yes. Too. Yeah. And you have to investigate. Yeah. And so it would, it would go, it, depending on the person, again, I mean, it, these are variable con conversations. Yeah. Uh, but so, okay, then let's just do this. If the place is for sale, if it's available and you love it, and it's only missing one of the two, three things that you're interested in. Yeah. If it has all those, am I bringing up a written contract that you can buy it right now? Mm -hmm. I remember this conversation with yeah. running once with a client of ours. He goes, no. Yeah. So then why are we looking at it? Yeah. And he goes, there was a long piece of silence. Mm -hmm. You're right. And that's why I hired you. I'm just wasting your time, my time, and that person's time. I don't want that place. It's just something to look at. Yeah. Okay, great. That was a win. Yeah. But then there's multiple offers flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. If the people have done their proper way that we've encouraged them to do it, it's do we have a 10% deposit? draft in hand mm -hmm. like a de deposit yeah. check in hand yeah yeah Good. we got that we go looking yeah do we are you pre-qualified that you can make a non-subject offer yeah okay and can you this price category that we're looking at can you increase that value between 100 to 200 thousand dollars if needed yeah yeah so you're at nine that yeah. means it's 1.1 yeah that's what you're or more or yeah. more yeah so minimally we want to know 150 to 200 okay Mm -hmm. Good. Let's go. And then the last question is, and if it has everything that you want, are we going to be writing that offer? Because I'll bring the offer now. Mm -hmm. But that's a great way to get the garbage out and work just with that, with the best, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, but no, Marnie still has to jump. Yeah. But you know what? She might have to jump and then she says, okay, great. And either has the contract written or she says, no, I'm going to, take this home. I'll be authentic signing it to you. You'll get it in the next hour. 
and whatever. And so periodically, I'll guess out of 52 Saturdays or Sundays that we took off, uh, she'd probably work about 10. Right. And guess what we would do? We're flexible. Mm -hmm. We have a higher bandwidth than that. Mm -hmm. Then we'll take a Monday off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or totally. a Thursday off. Yeah. Uh, you know, family yeah. and faith day doesn't have fall on Saturday or Sunday. It can be any day of the week. Yeah. But we're not uh, hooked into that yeah, yeah, old yeah, yeah. Uh, thinking. Yeah. Uh, so then, then, there we go. Let's take that day off. Yeah. That works. We've gone for two hours, my friend. What did we talk about? <laughs> we, talk, we talked about so much. And uh, if, I, if I didn't have an appointment today, I'd say we could keep going. But I, I, it's all good. We've, uh, we've covered a lot of amazing stuff. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful for your time. Well, I have always loved working with you. You know what? It's always a pleasure to work with people who know what they're doing, uh, who don't try to play the king of the castle. Mm -hmm. We are there to work together to get a contract signed. Everybody happy. Everybody good. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, those kind of realtors, you know what? They're not all like that. Some make it things way too complicated. Yeah. And I've loved always working with you. And you know what? I'm happy that you are the one that got to be involved with Remax, the local realty. And uh, Barney and I are behind you that way. So, I appreciate uh, that. you know, there's something about good management, yeah. Dave Rochelle. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, if, if some of those key people left, mm -hmm. we could just go hang up our sign somewhere else, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that it, there are Pe certain people, things people, that yeah. keep you magnetically attached to what you enjoy. People make everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with me, and uh, we'll do this again. Okay, good. Yeah. Good job. Cool. Thanks.